He's got a beautiful backswing. That's oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Woodward, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you to start off the year. It is 2023, boys, which means we are making our predictions. It also means that we will have some primetime golf in Kapalua this week at nighttime, which is always nice uh, for our TV watching purposes. We'll get into the Century Tournament of Champions or the Tournament of Qualifiers, as T-Dub likes to call it. And we'll also get into some stories that we haven't gotten into. Obviously, T-Dub did a heck of a job with not only part one, but part two of our year-end recap that we had here on the 73rd hole. And it allowed Woody and I to have a nice little break over the past couple weeks so we are back fresh ready to go boys and guys where do you want to start t-dub i'll just kind of let you go ahead let's uh let's get into the predictions at the end of the segment and then we'll get into the century in the second segment but guys we have a lot of smaller stories to talk about t-dub where do you want to start let's let's start with a story guys that, that caught my eye that really caught not just the eye of the golfing world but really just the sporting world in general and it was the misplaced master's invitation that got sent out last week and got sent all over social media. Essentially, for anyone who didn't realize, Scott Stallings, which, Sam, you brought up a great point, is I didn't even realize he was in the damn Masters, but he's apparently <laughs> getting <laughs> getting invited. And, Woody, they sent the invitation to the wrong Scott Stallings. I mean, what did you think when you first saw that? You know what? I had to laugh, first off, because Augusta, you know, they are so – perfect in everything they do, you know, from the golf course to the invitations to uh, who gets invited, set up, everything. Augusta does it perfect. At least we thought Augusta did it perfect right up to the time they sent a guy that shoots 90 every round or better an invitation. And, and what I love <laughs> is that guy, what about the, the thing made that story so cool is Stallings, Scott Stallings, the one that was actually qualified. Everybody got their invitations. He had not. And he was kind of going, what's the deal? Well, this old boy that got the right, the, the other Scott Stallings that got the invitation, you realize he wasn't at this house. So he really didn't get it for about a week before he realized the mistake. So poor old Scott Stallings, the golf pro, is sitting around going, uh, what did I do to get snubbed? He, he started to think, did I join Liv? What have I done? I mean, I, I would have. <laughs> I would have been in a full panic if I was Scott Stallings because I never got an invitation to the Masters, but you can bet if you were going to get one, you'd be waiting on it, wouldn't and, you? Absolutely. And Woody, let me read this DM that Scott Stallings sent Scott Stallings. He says, quote, Hi, Scott. My name is Scott Stallings as well, and I'm from Georgia. My wife's name is Jennifer, too. Her IG. I don't know why he started this <laughs> DM with his wife's IG, uh, but that's, that's a story for another day. He says, We have a condo at blank. It's blacked out. 
And then he says, and I received a FedEx today from the Masters inviting me to play in the Masters tournament on April 6th through the 9th in 2023. He goes, I'm 100% sure this is not for me. I play, but wow. He said, quote, nowhere near your level. It's a very nice package, complete with everything needed to attend. I think we have some confusion because of our names, our wives, and our geographical location. I can be reached at blank, and I am more than happy to send this package to you guys. I think it's hilarious that Scott Stallings, not the golf pro, went ahead and opened it up and then tells Scott. Scott Stallings, the golf pro, that, hey, the Masters sent you everything you need. I opened it. I have it right here, T-Dub. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect to get the Masters invite through the Instagram DM, but that is the age of 2023 that we live in. And I think one thing that's interesting, too, uh, Dan Rappaport tweeted this, said that um, so Scott Stallings, the golfer, the, the one playing in the Masters, will be hosting the other Scott at the Masters this year for a practice round. So I think that'll be cool, cool. Uh, to see that happen. And it also, he also tweeted in here that turns out that the invitation was sent to a now-defunct management company, and the other Scott Stallings owns a condo adjacent to the building. A wild coincidence. And I mean, that is beyond a wild coincidence that it just got sent by, not even to him, it sounds like, but to a nearby facility, and they just thought, okay, well, Scott Stallings, I know who he is. He's right over here. It must have been to him. I mean, seems like it'd be a pretty common thing if something like that occurred, but just the overall everything that did transpire through that is crazy. But Woody, this is what I would have done i would have just kept the invitation and showed up in april and seen if they would let me tee it up <laughs> yeah well uh, uh t-dub even though it's a new year and i know you got some balls don't try that because it would not work <laughs> that would definitely not work however though if it did work for one person it would be the hump man we we had a nice little group text talking about this with the hump man my dad the hump man craig humphreys you can listen to him nine to noon on the sports animal here in oklahoma city he says I have been as a caddy, a golf course superintendent, an employee with the trophy room badge, a player's guest, a press pass, but never a player. <laughs> I guess this is like the top challenge of the Masters video game, of the Hump Man's Masters video game. Can I get in as a player? I, I don't think we'll ever find out. I mean, you've got a, a checklist that you have to go off of. Uh, but And the Huntman is literally – the bingo card for Augusta National, Huntman has crossed off every single one of them except playing it with. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is just one of those stories where it all worked out for everybody. Scott Stallings obviously was eventually going to get his invitation, and uh, the other Scott Stallings is going to get to go to the Masters. So great deal for both of them uh guys it's gonna be an interesting 2023 we did have some changes as far as uh companies go and, and that means that tom kim has now signed uh head to toe in nike apparel uh and the shoe deal with nike tom kim will be rocking the swoosh this season what do you guys think about that i think it's a great get for for nike particularly i mean if you could pick really any apparel besides maybe Peter Merlot or something really, really fancy, I, I think Nike's got to be the way to go. And, uh, you know, they definitely had to fork out the cash. I haven't seen any rumors on how much his deal has actually worked yet, but I'm assuming it's pretty high. But I do know one thing, Woody. I don't think he's going to be using any Nike golf clubs going forward. Well, we do know that. It, I think it was cool that Nike finally got out of the golf club business and golf ball business and stuck with clothing. But any – Anybody that gets offered anything from Nike, 
usually will jump on it as far as golfers go because who are you following with Nike? The guy that every one of them idolizes, Tiger right. Woods. Okay, if you if you play a little basketball, Michael Jordan's not a bad guy to follow either. So, right. um, you know, it, it is iconic still that swoosh. And there's only one reason it's big in golf, and we all know it. Yeah, from the point that he first put it on to the point where that golf ball stopped on the edge of the cup at 16 and gave a perfect advertisement for the swoosh and then fell in. Um, uh, Tiger, you know, what do you got? What can you even say about what Tiger's done for the swoosh? So, uh, uh, good for Tom Kim, and, and that, that's big. I, I think that was one of the up and coming superstars. And what you see is Nike's on the ball, and they snatched him up. No doubt about it. And it helps that he has, you know, not only a clean record off the course, but on the course, no live rumors with Tom Kim. He's very uh, promotable. You know what I mean? He seems like an easy get for Nike. It seems like a, a win-win deal for both parties there. Um, it, it is interesting, you know, you talking about how important Tiger was to the Nike brand. Obviously, the Nike brand, I think some would argue, is even bigger than Tiger Woods just because they, they go through all sports. But at the same time, Tiger, like you said, was such a, a, a help to their marketing program. And I think it's interesting that they don't make clubs anymore because back in the day, we, you know, I started playing golf in the early 2000s and, and clubs and balls, and, and Nike was the most popular club and ball when I was growing up, the Nike One Platinum was the best ball growing up for me because Tiger played it, right? Or, or supposedly played it. A lot of There's a lot of rumors about what ball Tiger was actually playing, but everyone wanted to play the Nike ball. Everyone wanted to play the Nike clubs because Tiger did it. And uh, I agree with T-Dub. I, I think that if Nike ever knocked on my door and I was a pro golfer, I would definitely want to wear their apparel uh what do you, I, i'm curious when you were playing back in the day what were your apparel brands and club brands <laughs> that that is a great question you're almost right off the bat trying to get me to do story time and the year's just starting <clears throat> excuse me story but, time with woody 2023 uh, here we go i actually wore before straight down company has been around a, long, a lot longer than what you guys think and I actually wore some straight down stuff. I um, I had a lot of um, logo stuff that I wore. Actually, I played out of Quail Creek when I was on tour, so I wore that. There weren't big contracts for us guys like me. I mean, right. when you were a rookie, you, you could you tried to get anything you could possibly get your hands on. Um, Titleist would put out a little bit of stuff, but but for the most part, you were kind of on your own. You had to just kind of go out and beat the bushes and try to find whatever you could. And so uh, that's why Landmark, if you guys remember when Fred Couples, there were so many guys, Marco Mira, there was a lot of guys that wore the tree, if you guys don't remember that. I know that's you, right. If you go back I don't remember it, but I've seen Absolutely, yeah. you know, anytime you yeah. see the the flashbacks of those majors, you always see someone on the leaderboard with a landmark oak tree shirt or yeah, yeah, that's where what Joe Walter and Ernie Bossel were so far ahead of their time. These guys were these guys were geniuses when it came to promotion and figuring out how to do golf. And 
they were the guys that figured out, hey, we've got that same logo, whether it's Belter or Oak Tree or La Quinta or Kiowa. You can go through all the lists of all the different clubs. I know O'Meara wore the Mission Hills logo on his because he had a, a place out there. So they were smart enough to put that out there before anybody else. So it was long before the Nikes of the world and the Peter Millars and all the different clothing got such a big deal. So, uh, and back in our day, you didn't look like a NASCAR. You know, we didn't have a logo on every seat, uh, hat, everything. We were lucky if we got one. And so, uh, you know, I'm dating myself again with my story times, but if you got any clothing at all free, that was a bonus. Get paid on top of it. That was just for the really big superstars. It wasn't for the peons. Now, Woody, for most guys that wore that Oak Tree logo or Landmark logo, did they have a certain brand that they had to wear, or it was pretty much just anything out of the pro shop that they wanted? I remember they used to, you know, when I was, uh, I first started out as an assistant golf pro working at Oak Tree Country Club, and uh, that was in the early 80s, and what they would do, literally the golf pros, all the guys that were from Oak, Oak Tree, you know, like the Marques, Danny, David Edwards, those guys. Gil Morgan. Uh, Doug Tool, yep. Gil Morgan. They'd just come in the golf shop and pick out a bunch of stuff they wanted. And, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. That's badass. And, and I think those guys also had a bonus in their little contract that if they ever wanted to live at Oak Tree, if they wanted to have a lot, they could get one of those also. That was part of their deal. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool, really. And I know that, you know, Couples, he was out of their deal down in Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, the Polo Club was the name of that that course. So um, you're really pressing my brain after all this uh, uh, alcohol consumption. <laughs> <laughs> We, we we they would they would literally be located in these sites, guys, and they would go in the golf shop and they just get their wardrobes and go from there. So I think it a was lot a, of it, it was an interesting time. No doubt, I think a lot of it, a, a lot of these apparel deals, a lot of people, a lot of pros can thank Tiger Woods for that because Tiger kind of made the apparel deal uh, a little more popular. Am I right about that, Woody, or did it happen a little bit before Tiger came along? Well, he he really pushed the envelope when he came along. There were there were some some situations out there where you could get some stuff. Uh, I, I'll tell you the best thing I ever had happen to me is clothing wise. When I qualified for my first U.S. Open, it was at the Olympic Club in 1987, and so I went out there. And let me tell you some guys: uh, San Francisco in June is not balmy. Uh, you know, I went out like. Oklahoma guy, you know, it's California. I took short sleeve shirts, you know, and I was, I was thinking this is going to be balmy out here. No, <laughs> no. What I think it was Mark Twain said the coldest winter he ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. And he's spot on with that. Well, luckily early in the week, uh, I was born with the gift of bullshit and I met a guy and he had cashmere sweaters and this dude gave me four of them for that week and I never took them off. I wore a cashmere sweater every round I played out there and I was glad I had it. If not, I would have froze to death. Well so, you should have talked to our man Jim Kane. Kaner would have told you it's cold out there. <laughs> I didn't really think to call Kaner at the time. <laughs> Let's just say I got a very valuable lesson there. But I 
I also, I had those sweaters forever. I mean, forever. They were, they were phenomenal. Who knows what those cost, but, uh, uh, that was my biggest coup I ever got, and that was late 80s. So by the time Tiger hit, you're right, in 96, 97, when he had his coming out party, he immediately came fully in garb with uh, Nike. And that's the first time you ever saw anybody, really, that they were promoting a company through clothing. And then he, of course, right. uh, we can go on forever about what Tiger changed in the world of golf, but that was, that was a big part of it. Yeah, you're right, Sam. T-Dub, I'm curious, speaking of not only apparel, but the club brands as well, Colin Morikawa was seen on the course in Hawaii with the new TaylorMade Stealth 2 driver. Are there any other companies that are coming out with new drivers early this year? I'm sure there are. Yeah, Callaway, uh, their, uh, their new driver is called the Paradigm. It looks freaking sick. It looks awesome. That driver, I think, is going to be one of the, the hits. That and the Stealth 2, like you just mentioned, We'll be battling out. I, I, we were talking during the uh, before we came on. I do think that what he brought up that there's like five new drivers that went on the USGA conforming list recently. One of them I, I saw was the new Cobra driver. I, I'm not sure it, what the other two are at this point, but uh, Woody, it, it does seem like that this is kind of a new thing every year. And one thing that you talked earlier about your equipment or your um, your apparel when you were on uh, on the tour, but I'd like to know like what was your your whenever you would try to change golf clubs, what was the testing like for that? And I'm sure it was a little bit less robust than it is now. Oh yeah, I mean when you were going to change equipment companies, usually they would come looking for you and. Uh, they would try to tie you down to some kind of uh, just a bag and a set of clubs is what they really wanted. It was big at that point. If you could get the bag and the clubs in a guy's hand, uh, it, that was what they were really looking for. But, again, guys, there were not a lot of manufacturers really out there at that time. Uh, Ping was huge. I was in the early 90s when I was playing the tour. So Ping was – uh, really out there big. Titleist was just barely starting to get started. Uh, they were just pushing the envelope a little bit. Hogan was a club that was out there, believe it or not. And uh, Ben Hogan still was alive and still had a factory producing them. So they made balls too, didn't they? Richard. Woody Hogan, that they had Hogan the best what? ball there for a while, didn't they? Hogan had a good ball, but I'll tell you who had the best ball was Max Fly. At one point, Max Fly the best golf ball on tour in the early 90s. It worked in the wind better. It was one of the few times I've ever seen Titleist. Really, their their people did not come up with the best golf ball. It, it didn't play well in the wind. And this Max Fly ball would really fly through the wind really, really good. And you had a lot of guys transferring over to it for the first time ever. Titleist, it was one of the few times I saw Titleist was kind of going, uh-oh, and, you was know, that it's before or like, after the Bellotta? Uh That was that was might have been during that time when that that Bellotta ball was coming out and it would balloon. Right. What we do, what you found in the wind, it just didn't do very good in the wind. And you know what's iconic, guys, is that ball from Maxfly was going to it was going to make a big dent in Titleist. And you know what happened? There was an earthquake in Japan where that ball was manufactured. And it wiped wow. out the whole manufacturing plant. Oh, my. And they never got it back again. So, 
Um, maybe Titleist caused it. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but it was. It was conspiracy theorist, Woody. Yeah, conspiracy theorists. They forced an earthquake over there. But um, that was one of those ones. That's a story that, you know, you got to go back through the annals and look because that actually happened. I was part of that. That is And crazy. I mean, I was. I couldn't get that golf ball. I really was. And, and I think. I went from that to the Hogan Ball, Sam. That you now that you mentioned that, and uh, and then eventually I went back to Titleist before uh, I was done with the tour. But um, you know, it, 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 it's really crazy how nowadays there's so much testing, so much manufacturing going on. Uh, you know, a guy can switch on a on a whim at any time, and uh, it doesn't seem to affect him like it used to, guys. When you used to change balls, they used to change clubs it was a big deal i remember i remember Payne stewart went to top flight he actually started trying to play a top flight golf ball because they paid him a lot of money and i mean if you look back at his record he went through a really rough time with that ball and he had to get out of that contract because it was really affecting his, his play and so you know it was a it was a big deal when you changed back in my days it's not a big deal now there's just everything's so good these guys can switch on a whim and boom they're still playing good and guys i think there's a misconception that a lot of these pro golfers have the only access to getting fit the way they need to get fit guys the technology is out there not not only you know for these professional golfers but right here in oklahoma city you can find four or five great places to go get fit and how important is that t-dub and woody start with t-dub to just have the right fitting. If your wife got you a new driver for Christmas, don't offend her. Don't even tell her. Just take that driver to your local, I don't know, like Ball Golf or Oak Tree if you're part of a club or or Windstar like we saw when we did that show. They have a great facility down there. Um, How important is it T-Dub to find the right fitting for these drivers? Because I think a lot of people focus on the head and and the new head that everybody has come out, but the shaft is the most important part of the driver and gaining distance, right, T-Dub? The the shaft is 100% the most important thing when it comes to the club fake, and the importance of club fake cannot be understated by any stretch of the imagination. And I think it's most important, especially for up-and-coming junior golfers, because you're growing every single year of your life. Sometimes you can grow a, a foot in three months. And if your clubs are, are one length and they stay that length whenever you get bigger, you're going to have such a hard time. Your body's going to adapt and change to that. And also, even when you're just starting out, it's not like you don't need to get professionally fully fit tailored if you're just starting out. But you need to make sure that your clubs are the right length. And one thing that's really important is the lie of the club, right, Woody? Because if the heel or the toe is digging into the dirt before the center of the club, uh, you, there's really not much you can do from there. Spot on, T-Dub. I, I, I find that I've had a number of people call me, guys, in the last month or something. They did this, what you said, Sam. They got something for Christmas or something that they were going to, a gift certificate or whatever it is. And I tell them spot on what you just said. You go to a qualified fitter. That's the first thing that you do. And you figure out what you need by what they test. Now, what I worry about, and this is the teaching pro in me, a lot of times I'll see somebody fit somebody to a bad golf swing. Right. See, I, I don't like that. I mean, you know, let's say they're a big slicer of the golf ball. 
And so what do they do? They slam them in a three or four degree upright type of iron where that toe gets in there and it causes the ball to quit slicing as much. You know, I'm I'm not a believer in that. I, I'm a believer in you get the golf swing fixed, then you fit to a good golf swing. So that's where the teacher in me can't help myself. I, I just don't like that. But I do say, guys, if you're looking for new equipment, you go and get fitted for it because the shaft, the lie, uh, the, 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 in fact, believe it or not, in my opinion, the head of the club is the least important now. They're all good. They're all good. Whether yep. it's a driver or an iron, they're all good. But all that other stuff that goes involved in it with uh, the spins on the driver and all that kind of complicated stuff, go to somebody that's a qualified fitter and let them do it because it makes a huge difference. And, it, it, and the kind of money you're spending now for a set of golf clubs, good Lord, you better get it right because you don't want to go do that three or four times a year. That, that's expensive. And then, Woody, I think a lot of people might get confused when they do go get fit uh, with all the TrackMan numbers. And I want you to kind of explain what numbers for your average amateur to look at when looking at those TrackMan numbers while they're getting fitter or getting a lesson. Well, the, the, the most important number when you're fitting a driver is the spin rate. And that, that's the one that, that the fitter, if the fitter isn't talking to you about your spin rates with your driver, then he's not a good fitter or she's not a good fitter. And explain what a fitting, good spin rate is to, to the people they might not know. What they really want in a driver is you want somewhere between 2,100 and 2,700, maybe up to about 2,900 is the spin rate number that you're looking for. If the spin rate goes below 2,000 RPMs, then the ball will tend to fall out of the air. It doesn't have enough ball, you know, it won't get in the air. And if it goes above 3,000, usually, guys, what that means is it's spinning too much, so then the ball floats. So it's something that we used to try to do with the naked eye, which is virtually impossible to be able to tell that. Nowadays, they catch that immediately. The other thing that I'd always tell them to look at is the launch angle. What degrees of launch does it launch at? Back in the day, they used to tell you they wanted the ball to go out at six to seven degrees of launch, which means that's really low, guys, if you get right down to it. Yep. Now they're looking at putting the ball at 13, uh, 12, 13 degrees of launch angle. That's why we don't see many drivers anymore. Back in the day, you used to get six degrees, seven degree, eight degree drivers. That was a lot of what was bought. Well, nowadays they want you to be at 10 and a half to 11 to 12 degrees of loft on your driver, almost what three woods used to be. So um, it is the technology has gone a million different ways. If you're going with irons, if you're fitting an iron, what I like to look at there is the angle of attack. That means how steep the club is coming down onto the golf ball in the path. Where's the path of the club? Is it cutting across the ball? Is it going out on the golf ball? These sound like really complicated. Well, let me tell you something. I went to Oklahoma State. It ain't that complicated. I figured it out. So uh, it can be done, boys and girls. And, and it, it's not – please do not be afraid to go do it because it's very simple how they will explain it to you. And you'll be surprised how much better your golf will be if you have the right equipment. 
I will promise you that. No doubt about it. One, you, one, one thing. One thing I want to clarify that can be confusing on those trackmans that that can take people a little, little while to realize is that whenever you're looking at the club path on it, if it says a minus number, that means the club is going to the left. If it says a positive number, it means the club's going to the right. And for whenever you're obviously the attack angle, if it's negative, it means you're coming down positive. You're going up. But the, the club path is something that some people can get. Uh, confused on because they see minus and that, and that really doesn't really dictate left or right sometimes but that is what it means for anyone that's go- uh, going to use that technology yeah no doubt about it and when Woody was talking about the spin rate it, it took me back to one of the quotes that Tiger Woods had they said what are you looking for in these drivers while doing those tailor-made content shoots and he said something that doesn't spin very much and launches forever <laughs> and so uh, I think that everybody <laughs> is doing that he wants it to go high and not spin which is a very tough combination to find but once you find it you probably have the driver for you so what do guys change in the off season they change apparel they change equipment and they sometimes these professional golfers change their swings t-dub and i want to get your thoughts on tony finau if you haven't seen this uh you can look it up this video at d flowers 29 has a great video on twitter of tony finau's new swing and it's very upright on the back swing and kind of drops it uh, you know, in the slot and, and a little bit of a, of a redirection on his backswing through the downswing. I'm curious, similar to maybe like a mini Jim Furyk or a mini Matt Wolf. T-Dub, I'm curious, what do you see in Tony Finau's swing uh, that is better or worse? And why would Tony Finau change his swing over the offseason when he probably played the best golf he's ever played at the end of last season? Yeah, he really was playing probably the best golf. Yeah, he won three times in, what was that, nine events uh, going all the way back to, to the middle of July. So, yeah, he was just on an immaculate run. I will say, it just looks like from his swing, it looks like he's just trying to really take the club back a little further. And like you said, a little more upright. His hands are a little closer to his head. So it seems like he may be trying to hit the ball a little bit higher and maybe that'll help him not get the club so stuck and underneath him. Cause I do think that was his tendency. But one thing I do notice uh, about the setup, this, what this video is on the 15th hole at Kapaloo and, and that slope, the ball is way below your feet. So everything that he's kind of changing his swing on from what in that video is to, is one thing to incorporate just for the ball being so severely uh, below your feet, right? Woody, once you want to get a little more steeper, if the ball is that far below you, well, yeah, that, that's why I kind of questioned that video. But I will say this, that from the time I went on tour and I started watching the best teachers in the world teach, I can promise you one thing, to a man, to a person, whichever person is teaching, they will tell you that it is much better to take the club to the outside on the takeaway than it ever is to suck the club to the inside. And Tony Finau right or wrong, he, he had a great year. If you saw a mistake with him, he would get the club a little bit behind him on his takeaway. So I'm not shocked now. Sometimes, you know, you they tell you to have a, they give you a pill and you swallow the whole bottle. Uh, you have to be careful. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I've never seen a good golf pro that couldn't just take the club almost straight up and then figure out how to get it back into the hitting area. Right. Or on the other side of the coin, if you tell them to take it inside, they become really ugly at that point. So uh, for our listeners out there, if you're ever wanting to experiment with your golf swing, 
for goodness sakes, do not ever take the club way to the inside, please. Or if you do, call a qualified teacher to fix you because you are going to screw yourself up so bad you cannot imagine how bad your golf swing is going to get if you're pulling the club to the inside. No doubt about it. I've never seen a good golfer whip it straight inside like Woody is saying right now. If you look on tour, a lot of the backswings look different, but everyone has a similar impact position, and then they get there by you know, dropping it in the slot, as a lot of people like to say, but really they're more underneath than a lot of people are, than a lot of these amateurs are, which is, um, you know, it's the reason why they don't hit this big slice that a lot of amateurs hit, right, T? Yeah, I mean, whenever you're taking the club straight back to the inside, or you take it to the outside, either one, you're going to have a, a what they call a two-point swing, whether if you take it back on the straight path, you're going to have a one-point swing. So if you take it back straight to the inside, you're going to have to come over it on your downswing, which that is a very weak and ve- just a soft position to be in. You're not going to ever create any club head speed or any compression on it, and you're never going to have any clue where the golf ball is going whenever you do that. At least, when like Woody's made a great point, whenever you take the club outside, someone like even swings that are unique, like Jim Furyk, Matt Wolf, and even some other gr- great drivers of the ball that you think of, um, even a Colin Moore Cowley keeps the club outside of his hands on the backswing. It's not necessarily outside as those are, but it's still definitely a lot more outside than it is on the inside. So, yeah, it's definitely spot on. That's one of the uh, – there's few – like, there's a lot of different ways to swing the club, but taking it straight on the inside is absolutely not a way to go about it. One, one other thing on that, the reason that's happened is because there's so much more club at speed now than what there used to be when people played golf. And what you have to have is room – so when you're coming into the golf ball so that the left side gets out of the way, there's so much more violence through the hitting area now of everybody clearing. Well, if the club comes from too much to the inside, you can't clear. So what they do when they take it out is they're giving themselves room. They're trying to get it out as far as they can so that when they drop, as you call them, the slot, it gives them time to clear their left side. And that thus will hit a better golf shot. And that's any anybody can learn to do that. Nobody can learn to take it inside and play good. I'm telling you, it won't happen. Listen to our man Jim Woodward and Taylor Williams. They both give lessons and are very knowledgeable about the golf swing. Guys, let's completely change subjects real quick. The last topic of this segment is going to be Tom Doak is going to design Pinehurst Resort's 10th golf course. And T-Dub, I'll leave this up to you because you interviewed the man last year here on the 73rd hole when he was done restoring Dornick Hills down in Ardmore. T-Dub, tell us what we know right now about Tom Doak designing this Pinehurst 10th course. And I didn't. I thought they only had eight courses. I guess they have nine. Are they including a different one? Yeah, so they have, they have, I guess they have nine 18 hole courses and they have a nine hole short course there. So a lot of, uh, gotcha. one of the golf meccas in the world, Pinehurst is. And what a great honor it was, like I said, for, as you mentioned, for me to interview Tom Dope down there at Dornick Hills. It, it, that interview was on our 2022 year end recap show. For anyone who hasn't listened to that, make sure you go check that out. I had a lot of great highlights from the last year. And the interview with Tom was one of my, one of my favorites that we did all year. And just looking at, at this property that they're going off of, some of these aerial views, it just absolutely looks 
absolutely immaculate. Look, it's in the uh, Carolina Sandhills, pretty much essentially where all the other Pinehurst courses are. It's on a 900-acre uh, property. Uh, there's 75 feet of elevation changes. So, I mean, it, it just looks like it's, it, it may end up being, when you had one of the best properties, one, one of the best designers in, in the world, I think this could. I don't know if it will ever trump Pinehurst number two, Woody, but I think that it's going to be a strong contender for it definitely be number two and maybe at some point become number one. Would you guys agree with this statement? Because what I'm seeing is the future in golf. You're not seeing, you're not seeing a lot of new golf courses being built. And if they are being built, it's at uh, you know Bandon Dunes or, or Pinehurst. A we lot do of have one down in Frisco, Woody, that we're going to have a major at soon. Well, that's the PGA of America that's built right. that, so they don't count. Um, they, you know, they, they do some of the craziest things, but they built that for one reason, one reason only, is to have a major there. Right. I I don't see that a lot though. What I am seeing is a lot of restoration work being done. Not a lot, but more of that's being done than actual new modified new golf courses. You're just not seeing as many being built as we used to. And even that's coming off our uh, pandemic, you know, where we had some of the most uh, influx and rounds of golf numbers we've seen in a long time. But I, I don't know. I when you talk about Pinehurst, it's one of those kinds of places where you're playing one through nine, now going to be ten. Uh, I don't know that there's a bad one. I will say this. Pinehurst number two is still my favorite down there. But, I, T-Dub, you're pretty much on with this. You get a designer as good as Tom Doak on a good piece of ground, uh, who knows what we might see, guys. We might have the, 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 the second coming of the number two. Guys, I've always said that obviously Augusta National and Augusta is the golf mecca of the world, but golf mecca 1A is Pinehurst in North Carolina. If you ever have a golf trip, that needs to be on your bucket list. I was fortunate enough to play uh, the U.S. Kids tournaments back there back in the day the u.s kids world championships and i got to play number two uh number four is great as well that's one we haven't mentioned and and even talamar there's there's other courses out there pine needles um you know tobacco road they're all right there that aren't even connected with the with the pinehurst brand the fact that we get another one from such a great designer is, is great news and you guys can also Read about this new uh, venture on GolfOklahoma.org. Kim McLeod did a great story on Tom Doak to design Pinehurst Resort's 10th course. Guys, uh, definitely go get all of your local golf news from there. And Woody, please tell us about our friends at Quail Creek Bank. Well, it's a new year in 2023, but some things won't change. What won't change is Quail Creek going to take care of you better than anybody at any bank has ever done. People friendly. If you call Quail Creek Bank, you're going to talk to a person. If you come in for a small loan or any kind of business at all, guess what? You're going to talk to a person and a friendly person at that. Someone's always rare to greet you. We've said it all along. It's family owned. It's a business that banks aren't normally this way where you go in and everybody knows your name so if that's what you're looking for well creek bank located right there at 122nd in may you know, give them a chance i think you'll really enjoy that bank 
No doubt about it. They are the best in Oklahoma City. Definitely go visit our friends at Quail Creek Bank. Guys, what did Patrick Cantlay say last year at Kapalua? One more segment and then we can get a Mai Tai. Or, no, it was two more holes and then we can get a Mai Tai here on the 73rd hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McRaeRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McRae Roofing for your free inspection today. And we are back rolling along here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Jim Wilbur, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you for this final segment. We have our season-long predictions coming up and Kapalua predictions coming up as well. And guys, I do want to remind everybody to go visit our friends at GolfOklahoma.org. Like I said in the previous segment, Kim McLeod, Chris Swafford doing a great job. We'll have unprecedented access to the live event at Cedar Ridge. We'll have all sorts of stuff coming up for you in 2023, T-Dub. We got our season-long predictions, as I mentioned. Where do you want to start with these? And I was looking through these questions, and T-Dub, we can just go through the same questions. There's some great, great questions here that are basically timeless, right? Yeah, they, they, they will. St- these questions will stand to the end of time. I mean, the genius that we were, you, me, and, and Colby, back before Woody was able to join us to come up with these fabulous questions. I mean, th- these will stand longer than, than maybe the pyramids, I mean, at this point. I mean, they, they will never go old. So let's just start. At the top, last year we only did one player of the year because there was PGA. There was only PGA Tour. We weren't going to do a Corn Ferry player of the year. We're not going to go ahead and, and vote on that. But we do need to live uh, add a live player of the year. So I'll go ahead and start with the uh, PGA. My PGA player of the year, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Rory again, to Rory McIlroy. I do think that he's the show staying leader currently, and I do think that he's motivated and he'll have a positive year, and I think that he will break through and win a major championship as well. So I do expect Rory to be the PGA player of the year. As far as live player of the year, I'm going to go with Dustin Johnson won it last year, but I do think Cam Smith's going to win it again this year. So I got a little bit of chalk going right right, right on my two picks leading off Sam, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and lead with those. I like uh, I like to live. I was going to go with Cam Smith too. Can we both can we both have Cam Smith? <laughs> yes, yeah. This isn't Absolutely. a draft. You just start. All right. Well, I like Cam Smith player of the year myself. I, I'm going to go with that on the live. On the uh, on the PGA, I'm going to go a little out there. I'm going to say JT. I'm going to say Justin Thomas is going to be player of the year this year. JT and Cam Smith for Woody to be player of the year in their respective 
tours. I am going to go with Cam Smith as well on the live, uh, which means that I will go with Xander Shoffley on the PGA Tour, assuming that he stays on the PGA Tour, guys. I love the way Xander's game is trending. Last year, he had 23 starts. He had seven top fives and three wins and 17 top 20s. I mean, the guy was one of the most consistent guys on the PGA Tour, and I love the way that he's played recently as well. You know, finished fourth at the Hero, ninth at the Zozo, fourth at the Tour Championship. Loves Kapalua. I think he'll have a good week this week as well. Give me Xander Shoffley to have a great year on the PGA Tour, T-Dub. And, and who knows, maybe with all the rumors that have circulated, maybe he'll, he'll have a chance in the middle of the year to be switched to live player of the year. Who knows? But uh, it'll wait, wait and see on that. But I, like to, I do like both of y'all's picks. I think they'll both have fabulous years. Let's go move on to the next on the list, which is PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. And I'm going to go ahead and with the guy that's leading that category right now and played fabulous in the fall. That's, uh, that's Taylor Montgomery. He, he played six times in the fall. He only had one finish worse than 15th place. I think he's 11th in the FedEx Cup currently. So, so he, he's got a, a pretty good lead on this race. There's only 28 rookies this year, so not a whole lot to choose from. Another guy could go off of maybe Thomas Dietrich. He, he's a very fabulous player, but I don't know how much he'll, he'll play over here. He likes to play a lot in Europe. So I'm going to go ahead with Taylor Montgomery, Woody, and also he does have a fabulous first name. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you're busting my chops early. I mean, I actually did some work on that when we were talking. When I saw this list. I pulled it up, and I thought that Teddy Montgomery, I liked the way he was playing. So I've got to go where you're going on that one. i got to go with Taylor Montgomery. I'm going to have to agree with you. Guys, I'm going to switch it up and go local here. Give me Austin Ekro. That guy can get hot any given week. I think that there's a good chance that he could win at some point this year in 2023. Give me Austin Ekro for Rookie of the Year on the PGA Tour. Yeah, definitely going to be rooting for him and Sam Stevens, both local guys who, no who are out there, it. and hopefully they can both have fabulous seasons and and potentially and hopefully get their PJ cards for next season as well. Once all the the structure in the PJ tour starts changing, let's go next on the list. Let's go with FedEx Cup champion. It was Woody's Player of the Year. I don't think he'll end up winning Player of the Year, but I do think that he will win the FedEx Cup because he plays so well at Eastlake. Hasn't broken through there in a while, but his last few years there, he's finished, uh, let me make sure, he has finished fifth, fourth, second, third, and seventh the last five years. So I think Justin Thomas is, is we're going to have a good breakthrough at Eastlake this year, Woody. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I'm not going to follow you this time. I, I should because I picked him as Player of the Year, but I'm going to say it's going to be John Rahm that's going to be your FedEx champion. I think he is a uh, I think Rom's going to have a really good year, guys. He was I was close to picking him for my player of the year, but uh, I think Rom will be the FedEx champion. I am hedging my bets as well here, guys. I'm not going with the same player of the year as I am FedEx Cup champion. I'm going John Rom as well, guys. In 2023, John Rom was just unbelievable. 22 starts, 15 top 27 top fives, and three wins in a down year. For John Rom, I look for John Rom to not only win the FedEx Cup in 2023, but also win a major in 2023 as well. 
Yeah, John Rahm's second analytically in the world right now, only behind Rory. He's ahead of Scotty Scheffler, Xander Schauffele, and the likes of that. So, yeah, I think Rahm is going to have another great year as well. It just It seems like now there's just everyone who's a top-heavy guy, these guys just play so fabulous. And really, I saw the PGA Championship. They don't know how to play golf. It seems like, it seems like every swing they make is just absolutely pure in the contact. So, see, I don't expect any of these guys to start falling off anytime soon. Next question, guys. This is one that I've probably changed my mind on in the last month or so just from seeing him play. When will Tiger make his first appearance in 2023? I thought there was a chance that he would play before the Masters, try to get warmed up. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore, Woody. I think the first time we'll see him is at Augusta National in April. Yeah, I I think he's going to do it before. I think I think he's going to I think he's going to really work hard, and I, I think where I think he's going to try to play is LA. I think he'll play at the Genesis. Is what I think. Interesting. I after what I've seen, it seems like Tiger the just the golf swing is great, but the fact that he looks so. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know how to put it. He, he looks out of, not out of shape, but it just looks like he can't walk the golf course the way he needs to to spend an entire week on tour and still be able to go play in the Masters and and not, you know, set himself back at all. I think we saw him set himself back when he played at Augusta last year, or you know, like we saw the withdraw at Southern Hills last year in the PGA. I would be shocked to see Tiger Woods play before Augusta National, even though he's going to have to to be able to compete, right, guys? Yeah, I mean, I mean but and the thing is, he has a lot of opportunities too on courses he likes. I, he could play Tory. That's the end of January. He could play uh, Genesis, as you mentioned. That's the week after the Waste Management. That's uh, in the middle of February. He could play Arnold Palmer Bay. He could play the Players Championship. Um, I don't think he'd play. And honestly, the match play may be a good tournament for him, or it could be a, a bad for him because he would get a little bit of experience not playing much golf. But yes, they ends up playing good. He doesn't need to be playing that many matches going forward. So I don't know what he seems like. He has a lot of opportunities, but uh, I just uh, I think Genesis would be the spot. But it, it would be tough because Sam's right. It's how much can he really pressure himself and play a week and risk the chance of him not being able to play in a month or two at Augusta, right? Well, he, he's going to need weather, and he's going to need a pretty flat golf course. Um, that's why you know Bay Hill is another pretty good one because of the weather is usually pretty good i mean orlando march it's 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 pretty good place to play la you all you got to do is be able to get up and down that one big hill uh other than that the golf course is all in the valley easy to walk um i i agree with both of you i mean i'm i'm optimistic i'm probably a fool to think he's going to play before augusta uh but i really think he needs to so that's why i just picked where i know he's comfortable okay now, hopefully he won't have a rental car that day or that week, and he sure as heck won't go down that road at 90 miles an hour. Oh but uh, I, still, I still like to believe L.A. What do we got next, T-Dub? Next one, a very popular question. I wanna, I'm really excited to hear y'all's opinion on this one. Will Jordan Spieth win this year? And if he does, how many times will he win? There's a part of me that wants to say yes because it does seem like that he, he may be getting some things figured out. At least it seems like some weeks that he hits the ball really well, but it does seem like he just keeps playing golf swing every single week. So I, I don't know what to believe. So I may be going out on a limb with this one, Woody, but I'm going to say Jordan Spieth does not win in 2023. I think his golf swing so screwed up that every time I say this, guys, he figures a way to figure out how to get the ball in the hole. I say he'll win again. He will not win the Grand Slam. He will not win a PGA championship this year. 
But I do believe he'll win in 2023 simply because the guy is phenomenal. He can find a way to get the ball in the hole. So he is going to win in 2023. And if, if he does, where would that come at, Woody? I think it'll be in a tournament that we don't expect. Uh, you know, he won the Bolero that one year. Uh, then he wins at Hilton Head. I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be more kind of later in the year than earlier in the year. But oh, um, uh, let's say Colonial. That might be one that he just falls in the right place, at the right time, Texas boy. So I'm going to say he'll win at Colonial. Guys, I am going no on this question, and the reason being is last year in 2022, Jordan Spieth lost strokes on the greens for the first time since his rookie year on the PGA Tour. Jordan Spieth, like Woody said, was playing golf swing and not golf, and while he was playing golf swing, he was also practicing his golf swing a lot more than he had in the past, which really hurt his putting. That meant that he wasn't practicing his putting as much as as he needed to to be able to compete, especially earlier in the year, and you know, we've seen two starts in 2023 from Jordan Speed, and he's lost a full shot, strokes gained approach uh, combined in those two tournaments, and hasn't gained any shots on the field on the greens either. And last year, he only had three top fives and one win, obviously, at the RBC. Only 11 top 20s for Jordan Speed, who. I would consider one of the elite players on the PGA Tour when he's clicking on all cylinders, but I don't see anything clicking with Jordan Spieth right now, T-Dub. Well, one thing that's funny is he may end up winning this week because out of everyone who's in the field, he's second best when it comes to course history. Only John Rahm hasn't beat out in that category. He won back here in 2016, but but really the last couple of times he played it, remember he didn't play this tournament for three years because he didn't win for three years. And uh, last year he played and finished 21st. So and maybe he'll find some form that he found back then. And, and, and like I said, he can find that putter at any point, but you made some good points, Sammy. It, it has gone a little bit cold on him over the last couple of years. Let's move on to the next question, guys. Will Brooks Kepka win a major this year? Was on an immaculate run there for, what, three or four years where he, he was able to win his four major championships. I've said before in this podcast, and I'm going to stick with it, not only would he do I think Brooks will not win a major this year, I do not think he will win a major again for the rest of his career. That's a bold prediction, but I like it. I don't think he's going to win one. I, I just I just don't see the same Brooks Kepka that I saw when he was winning those majors. So, uh, I'm with you, T-Dub. I, I, I don't see him winning one. Guys, as much as I want to say yes and as much as I love Brooks Kepka, I got to say no just, I mean, based on the law of averages, there's only four majors this year and there's a lot of guys playing some great golf. However, I do think the silver lining to this is that Brooks Kepka should have a better year. I saw some really solid form from him in Saudi Arabia when he won on the live. Um, his putting looked a whole lot better. I think that last year where he really struggled was off the tee. He had by far his worst driving year of his career, guys. He only gained .2 shots off the tee. And I think that Brooks Kepka is such you know, an athlete and a great driver of the golf ball that if healthy, he will figure that stuff out. I do see him winning on live this year. I do not see him winning a major this year, T-Dub. 
And and yes, he de- he definitely has the talent to do it. But even even at the PJ Championship, and I watched it, and I think he's been battling a little bit of injury. That that seemed like another thing that's been plaguing him. He just doesn't have the the crispness of, of contact that some of the other guys that we were talking about earlier, Rom, DJ, the likes of, of Rory. I mean, it just doesn't seem like the the crispness was there. And that's something I expected to see from Brooks, and and I didn't. So let's we'll go ahead and move on to our next question. This one is going to be tricky. Our next couple will actually be pretty tricky because they're dealing with a system. Now, we don't really know how it's going to be calculated, and I think that it will more than likely stay the same. That is the OWGR, the official world golf ranking. This next question is, who will be number one in the OWGR at the end of 2023? He was my player of the year, so I'll stick with it. I'm going to go with Rory McIlroy. One of the reasons for that is currently, you look at the points, Rory has 8.6 average. Scotty Scheffler has 8.4 average. Cam Smith is third at 7.5. So I, I think we all can suspect that the system doesn't change. Cam Smith will probably start dropping a little bit unless he wins two majors this year. And I think Rory will have a much better year than Scheffler does this year. So I'm going to go not only Rory being number one, Woody, but he's going to increase his lead by a decent amount. That's a good pick. Um, just just to be different. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna say Rom's gonna catch him. I'm gonna say Rom might might win that this year. And if Rom does win that, that means Rom's gonna have a phenomenal year, where wing majors and just like Sam said and some other things. So let's go with Rom. I got Rom as well, Woody. I know he's how many points behind uh, Rory is he? I mean, what would it take for John Rom to overtake Rory? John Rom is currently in fifth at a 6.5 point average, and Rory was at an 8.6. So, yeah, he would need a pretty decent amount. One guy we hadn't mentioned, Patrick Cantley, is fourth at 7.2. So, a de- so, decent amount of point gap between a fourth and fifth place. Okay, but if, if, if Rom went on to win a major and win two or three times on the PGA Tour this year, I mean, that would get him up there somewhere close, right? Absolutely, yeah. He would be definitely up there with probably in the eight point something at range, just just off of doing a little bit of quick quick looking right here. And then it also depends on if, if Rory or Scheffler, if they go out and win, how much do they win? Because they've already got such a decent amount of lead. But like I mentioned earlier, Cam Smith at seven point five, I do think that's going to start dropping down pretty considerably, especially once those big PJ Tour events start happening. Yeah, go ahead and give me Rom, and Woody and I will bank on the comeback from Rom in twenty twenty three. T Dub. Definitely, definitely like that pick. Let's go to our next OWGR question. This is a local guy and friend of the show, Taylor Gooch. Where will he be at the end of 2023 <laughs> heck of, OWGR? Heck of a question from us last year. Little did we know that it question really, had many levels to it. There yeah. was way too many levels to it, and they, they keep on adding, and we keep dissecting them day by day, really. T, TG is currently 40th. In the OWGR, I think that, like I've mentioned earlier and many times on the show, I don't think the system will change for at least a calendar year. Hope that it does, but it doesn't look like it's going to. So I expect TG, he'll play good in the opportunities that he has. He'll play probably on the European Tour, something like he did uh, last year, and then he'll have his, his major appearances that he gets to play in. But So I think he'll stay somewhere close. He's not going to drop off considerably. But I'm going to go around the, the 59 range, Woody, just because I think it's just a consequence of uh, the state of golf right now. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling for him this year for sure in the Masters to finish in the top 16 so he gets an automatic invite because he's going to fall out of the top 50. There, there, there's only so much Taylor can do, and, and no matter how good he plays, the way the system has got it now, he, I think he'll play, I think he's going to fall further than that. T Dub, I hate to say it, I think he's going to be around 70 when this thing's all done this year. Guys, I think that there will be, by the end of 2023, a resolution to all this BS that is the official World Golf Ranking. 
but I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know if they're going to reciprocate the live guys for the tournaments that they had to miss out on during all of this. So I'm going to go, what, like 60th, 59th, kind of like T-Dub said. But I think that by the end of the year or maybe into 2024, these live players will be able to get some official World Golf ranking points because it's the fact that Dustin Johnson is outside the top 40 right now is the biggest joke on the planet, and we've talked about it many times. Um, There's going to have to be a resolution sometime, and and it needs to be in 2023. Well, and I sure hope you're right, Sam, because, I mean, we talked about this the other day in the group text. There's the uh, the, the Mexican or Latin American tour, whatever it was, came out. They're getting well, world ranking points. They're a 54-hole uh, tournament, and they have yep. – I mean, there's no way those fields are anywhere close to, to what the uh, to what the live is. And I get that they've been going through the process, and that's been the whole thing. But, yes, I do think there needs to be some sort of change going on there, and that will be something we'll have to monitor. As the year goes on, let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit. Let's go to a little college golf. Shall we? Let's go to the who will be the Big 12 team champion. Last year we had OU, OSU, and Texas were all very, very highly ranked, so it was a little bit of a heated question. The local teams are a little bit lower in the rankings as they were. They're both uh, OU is 15th on golf set, OSU is 16th. Currently, um, the only other uh, Big 12 school ahead of them currently is Texas Tech in third, and they do have the number one amateur in, in the world, Lovett Aberg. So I am going to go with Texas Tech to win the Big 12 championships, Woody, but I do hope that I am wrong. I hope you're wrong too. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Hibble. I think Hibble's gonna pull something out of this uh, behind this year. I think he they don't look as good, but I think he's 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 just a heck of a coach, and I think he's gonna turn them into something pretty special by the time Big Twelve comes around. So I'm gonna go with OU. Woody, that's a good pick. I I shouldn't be betting against Ryan Hibble and the job that he has done. However. T-Dub is right on the money. Texas Tech, I mean, college golf is is play five, count four guys. And when you have the best amateur in the entire world on your team, I have to go with your team. Give me Texas Tech to win the Big 12 in 2023. So basically, me and Sam just secured that there's not a chance in hell that Texas Tech wins. So that's good for us. So <laughs> good thing we can. That's right. That's right. <laughs> We're hopefully giving them the ultimate. <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. So it looks like OSU will probably be the winner this year. Um, let's move on to who will be the NCAA overall national champion. And when I looked on golf stack, guys, I could not believe this ranking. North Carolina, one of the deepest teams I've ever seen, is fifth in college in the golf stack rankings. Auburn's number one, Vanderbilt two, Texas Tech three, Arizona State four. I think North Carolina is by far the most dominant team in the country, and I'm going to pick them to win the national title, Woody. I'm with you. When I watched what they were doing at the end of last year, how can you not go with North Carolina? And now this is a crapshoot of all crapshoots. Picking this is a, probably the hardest thing we do all year. But I'm going to go with North Carolina also. I mean, I, I think we're going North Carolina across the board. The fact that how David Ford, the young guy, has played, I think he's a sophomore now, it, how he played in the fall is unbelievable. Minetti, Dylan Minetti, uh, the transfer from Pepperdine, Austin Greaser, who played in the Masters, they are the deepest team to me by far. And if, if they get hot, no one's catching them. Give me North Carolina to win the national championship. Now, there's the trifecta that we were looking for. So maybe maybe a team like Van- Vanderbilt was my second pick. I do think they've got a good chance. And I'm, I don't really know a whole lot about Auburn, but they're ranked number one, so they must be a fairly solid team. So we'll look out for them. And hopefully, like we mentioned earlier, OU and OSU can vault up and start showing some success going towards nationals. Let's go ahead and move on back to the PGA Tour ranking, and let's see 
this, in all honesty, guys, is probably the the one that will be all unanimous agree on, and I, I would be shocked if there's any other way about it. Does Ricky Fowler win this year? And I think it's going to be unanimous. No, I will say he did finish second in the Zozo Championship in, in the fall, and he did finish sixth at the Fortnite Championship. So showing a little bit of form, but I don't think there's a chance in hell that Ricky Fowler wins this tournament or wins a tournament this year, would he? He went back to the swing whisperer. I've told you, be careful on this. I'm going to say he does win. I guarantee he is going to win one. I don't know when, where, how, but he's going to win one. I'm going with Ricky. Wow. Woody is riding with Ricky. And in 2023, in his four starts, guys, He's hitting the ball so much better. Off the tee last year, he gained .05. In four starts this year, he's gaining over half a shot off the tee. Last, the last two years, he's lost shots on the season. Strokes gained approach. In four starts, he's gaining .75. Strokes gained approach. And, you know, like we said, when you go through a swing change, the putting is going to struggle a little bit for a while. I think he gets the putting figured out. Give me Woody. I totally agree with you. Give me Ricky Fowler to win wow! a PGA Tour tournament in 2023. Wow. I, I am so I am utterly shocked right now. I am beyond belief. I, 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 I'm at a loss for words. I will say he did make some good points. I mean, he, he, is, hitting, he is hitting the ball a lot better in, in the, in the stroke, uh, stroke skating events that he is playing, but even just – Looking at the form that he had overall, going back to his 2017, 2018, even with his improved improved ball striking, it's still nowhere close to, to where to where he was, where he used to be. And, and I will say, Not if he yet. does if he does win, guys, it's going to have to be at, at a smaller event. There's no way that he's going to play one of these elevated events with all those great players that are playing this week and somehow win. I don't think there's a chance in hell. So I mean, yeah, you um, you guys may be right. No, honestly, I've said this before. I'm rooting for Ricky. I hope that he does come back and start playing some good golf. And I don't think there's a chance in hell that Ricky wins this year, but you guys do make some convincing arguments. Let's move on to the next one, which I think is very, very popular question that I, um, everyone in the golf world has. What, does Rory McIlroy break through and win his fifth major championship this year? I am going unprofoundly yes. He may win twice. I think he has a great chance at Augusta. I don't know if necessarily if he'll pull it through there just because of all the pressure with the Grand Slam. But I do think he'll break through and, and do what he should have done this last year and win at the Opian Championship at St. Andrews. But this year it is at, uh, I believe, Royal Liverpool. So uh, I do think Rory will break through and win at least one major this year, Woody. Well, it's another one. I'm making a pretty bold prediction here. Rory is going to win a major, and he is going to win the Masters. And the reason he is this year is his brotherhood that he has struck up with Tiger Woods. These two have gotten really close, guys, really close. They're going to be doing business together, and I think Rory will peak early this year because there's going to be so much going on with all the stuff he and Tiger are doing. But I think Tiger's going to take him under his wing, and he's going to, he's going to get him through. He's going to teach him how to do this, and he's going to win at Augusta this year to get the Grand Slam. Guys, he's not winning a major this year. Come on. I mean, look, he's had a major in the palm of his hands every single year dating back to what? I, I mean, dating back to what, like 2018, right? I mean, it, last year in the majors, what, third at the Open Championship. He finished fifth at the U.S. Open. He finished eighth at the PGA. He finished second at the Masters. But they were all backdoor finishes after he had the tournament in the palm of his hand 
and blew it. Rory's got to show it to me at some point before I ever pick him again in a major championship, guys. Rory is the ultimate fool's gold when it comes to major championships. I do not see Rory McIlroy winning a major in 2023. He's got to show it to me first. I'm not. I'm not betting on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it has been a while. It's been it's been nine years, right? I mean. And these are yeah. the same questions we we had with Tiger even before he got hurt in 2011, 2012. It's like, you know, it's been four or five years, and that's a long time for him. And now Rory's just keep, keeps on going with how long it'll take. But uh, I do think he, he will finally break through at, at some point. But you are right, Sam. We do have to see it before it happens. Let's move on to the next one. Who will be the strokes gained leader analytically at the end of the year? I will go with the man with that we were just talking about, Rory McIlroy. I feel I got a strong feeling you guys may be leaning on John Rahm just because y'all talk so highly on him, and I think Rahm does have a chance to get up there. He's not too far behind him analytically, and Rahm just does everything in his aspect so well. He's been putting so well lately, but I do think Rory will have a, a lead at the end of 23, but it will be closer than it is now with him. You know, I hate this because I don't like him, but I'm, I think it's John Rahm going to do this, too. And, and the reason why I don't like Rahm is I think he's just a big baby. Uh, you know, I, I, if he grows up, he's going to be dangerous. But but I'm still going with him. He's going to have the stroke game leader, too. Somewhere along the line, I'm going to win with this goofball, I hope. <laughs> Guys, I'm going Xander Shoffley with this one. He's off to a hot start, already gaining 2.6 shots total uh, strokes gained in his first two sh- first two starts and last year and the year before that he gained 1.92 on the field per round and 1.94 on the field per round and oh by the way the previous two years he gained even more shots on the field than that so what I'm saying is Xander Shoffley is so consistent and I look for him to win a major this year so, and I think it'll come in L.A. at L.A. Country Club. I'm already picking Xander Shoffley, guys, to win in L.A. at L.A. Country Club. So go ahead and give me Xander Shoffley to finish uh, number one in strokes gained on the year. Well, that's uh, th- our major predictions, which we're about to get into, is going to be very interesting if you like Xander at, at, at L.A. Country Club. But let's go ahead and start with our four major winners, and we'll go with the, we'll just go in order of each major, and we'll start off with the first one. At the Masters, I'm going to go with something that will probably be a very big controversy if it does occur, but he plays so well at the golf course that I'm going to go ahead and stick with him. I felt like he should have maybe pulled it out last year if uh, if Scotty Scheffler didn't just run away with it and four, and, and four putt on the last hole was the only thing that made it close. I think Cam Smith wins the Masters this year, boys. Yeah, that's a good pick. But see, I already told you Rory's going to win it. So Rory, Rory McIlroy. So T-Dub's going Cam Woody is going Rory. Uh, That's a little switch up there after T-Dub has been all on Rory this segment, and Woody loves himself some Cam Smith. Give me John Rahm to get his first Masters this year in 2023. He's been knocking on the door. Now, last year he finished tied for 27th, but the year before that he finished tied for 5th. The year before that he finished tied for 9th. The year before that he finished solo 4th. John Rahm's game is made for Augusta National. His cojones under pressure are made for Augusta National. I love John Rahm this year at the Masters. Give me John Rahm. And he absolutely loves the Masters. He's played there six times. Four of them are inside of the top ten. His worst finish ever there is 27th. So, yeah, I do expect Rahm to have a decent high finish. And if he can get... The putter rolling those greens, then I do think he'll have a chance. But with the next or ne- the next major that will occur, the PGA Championship, 
at Oak Hill. I will go with the guy that you just picked, Sam, John Rom. I, I can't think of a more tailor-made course for, for Rom than Oak Hill. Just You have to be so precise and long off the tee, and he's going to take advantage of that, going to have a lot of uh, good good short iron opportunities for him. So uh, I, I'm picking John Rom at the PGA Championship, Woody. I was I played a senior PGA Championship at Oak Hill. Um, I, I'd like to tell you what year. I can't remember. Uh, but the one thing you better be careful of at Oak Hill is weather. Guys, it can get cold in May in Buffalo. <laughs> it can get cold in Buffalo any day. But, but it, it can be ugly. And let me tell you something. The rough at that place is vicious. It is deep and it's nasty. So I'm going to surprise you with this one. I'm going to go with Cam Smith. I think he, he just really should have won the PGA at Southern Hills before you get right down to it, and he just, just blew it. And I think he won't win at Oak Hill. Cam Young or Cam Smith? Cam Young blew it at Southern Hills as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Cam Young was the one blew it at Southern Hills. No, I'm going with Cam Smith. I'm sorry. Cam Young blew it, but I'm still going with Cam Smith. I think he's going to play good there at Oak Hill. All right, Woody is going with the train of thought that, hey, you know, everybody's going to miss fairways. I'm going to go with the best short game in professional golf, going with Cam Smith. I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going with Patrick Cantlay to finally break through. And, I mean, Patrick Cantlay in the major championships has just been absolutely horrible. I mean, he did get a, you know, tied for eighth in the Open Championship last year. But other than that, it's just been miscut after disappointment, guys, with Patrick Cantlay in major championships. But the way that he drives the ball and the way that, you know, he's the best ball striker maybe on the PGA Tour, most consistent at least. Give me Patrick Cantlay to just fairway and green it to death at Oak Hill uh, in that PGA. Looking for probably him and Xander are the two best players currently without a major championship. So looking for him to get a breakthrough. And we talked, you talked about earlier, Sam, and I think this is another breakthrough at LA Country Club. I think Xander Shoffley is going to win. He plays so well in the U.S. Opens. He's from California, so I'm sure he's uh, probably played the course a time or two. And and out of the six times he played in the U.S. Open, his worst finish was last year as 14th. Uh, every other finish has been inside of the top seven. So I'm going with Xander Shoffley to finally break through and win at L.A. Country Club Wood. I look forward to this week because simply for people to get a chance to see L.A. North. L.A. Country Club, the north course, is probably one of the most phenomenal golf courses you will ever see, guys. It is awesome. So I went with thinking California. It was a toss-up for me between Morikawa and Cantley. I'm going to go with Morikawa. I think the golf course sets up beautiful for his little fade, and I'm going to go with Morikawa to win the Open. Woody, what do you, expand on Morikawa a little bit. What did you see from him last year? Because a lot of people considered Morikawa's year a big disappointment. It was a big disappointment, but I think – you know, anybody's golf swing and anybody's career on the PGA Tour, you just have you have ebbs and flows. And he went through a rough time where he was actually trying to draw the golf ball. That's how much he got lost. He also had a busy, I would say, a busy year personally. He got married. Colin Markawa just had a lot going on last year, okay? I think he comes out in 23 really focused. And got his, I'm going to think he's going to have his cut shot back, buddy. And that, that L.A. North, it sets up beautifully for a cut shot. So that's why I'm going with him. 
Guys, I already said it. I'm going with Xander Shoffley to win at LA Country Club. I just love the way his game is trending. Xander is one of those guys that is too good to go his entire career without winning a major. You talked about the California connection. Give me Xander Shoffley to win at LA Country Club in the U.S. Open. I'll expand on it later when we do our U.S. Open previews. So me and Sam on the same train again. We know how this is going to go. Let's move on to the Open Championship, which is at Royal Liverpool this year, which uh, the two times it's been played there since the 60s. Tiger Woods won there in 2006, and Rory McIlroy won in 2014. I believe he won by four shots that year, shooting 17 under. So give me Rory McIlroy to win the Open Championship. Talked about earlier, but I do think that it, that is his best chance to win a major this year, Woody. I like it. I like that pick. If I hadn't used him already at my Augusta, I, I would say, yeah, if he doesn't win Augusta, I think you're spot on there. I'm going to go with Shane Lowry. I'm going with the European. I think he's going to pull it off. And uh, he's just got that, that – I was thinking about Terrell Hatton, believe it or not. You guys think I'm really crazy out there. But I think it's going to be Shane Lowry. Lowry did kind of have a down year last year, right, guys? Let me look up Lowry's stats from last year. It seems like he was a guy that a lot of people were really high on and seemed to be high in the betting odds. Now, he had a great year strokes gained, gained 1.48 strokes gained total on the year, but he only had four top fives and, and one win. It's just, I, I don't really know why. Woody, you, you love the guy. Why, why do you think that Shane Lowry didn't necessarily contend but played a lot of great golf? I think it's, I think it's again, you're, you're going to a part of the world where they're comfortable, which is the reason why I always kind of I, I migrate towards the European playing good in the British Open or the Open Championship, as we're supposed to call it. And, and Lowry, Lowry's one of those guys that he's he got a chip on his shoulder. He he thinks he's probably better than he is, which is very dangerous for the golf pro because if they they believe in themselves, sometimes they can pull miracles out. And I don't know why. Heck, you got me. I just think he's going to be a, a ripe at that time of year in July. He's going to be ready to do something special. So I'm going with Shane Lowry. He'll probably miss the cut. You guys will remind me of all these stupid picks I made. But we've talked about this since for last for the whole year last year. I'm not the best picker, so if people are out there going off who I'm picking, <laughs> you're stupid. I don't think anybody can pick golf, guys. If you're betting on golf, you're a psycho. Uh, but we do try our best to give you the best analytics uh, possible so you guys can make an an educated guess or something like that. Uh, Right, guys? But for the British Open in 2023... This one seems pretty obvious to me. It's a guy whose game is trending very, very nicely. Give me Victor Hovland, guys. In his two British Open appearances, he's finished tied for fourth and tied for 12th. And it seems to me that he's getting something figured out around the greens, guys. In four starts in 2023, he has gained .82 shots, almost a full shot around the greens, and he is obviously one of the best ball strikers on tour. Give me Victor Hovland at Liverpool to break through and win his first major championship, guys. Good pick. I like that pick. I do. I, I, and one thing that we haven't mentioned about the Open, which makes it so hard, is, I mean, the damn weather. I mean, that that's going to be such a, a dictator on what 
on what happens. So, I mean, it, 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 anything could happen at that tournament. Sam's absolutely right. Just betting on golf is so hard. But but if we can get the odds ever so much in your favor, it makes it better. Let's move on to our last prediction, which will be our bold prediction of what we think that will happen in 2023. We talked about the OWGR a little bit and who we think will be number one. And we talked a little bit about him in, in the first segment as well. Currently sitting number 12 right now. I think by the end of 2023, Tony Finau will be not inside of the top 10, but he will be inside the top four of the OWGR by the end of 2023, Woody. Wow. That's bold. That is a bold prediction. Well, it doesn't get any more bold than what I've already picked. Rory gets the grand slam. And and if I listen to Sam, I'm a real idiot for this, but I'm going to say my bold prediction is Rory wins not only the Masters, but completes the grand slam. Guys, I, I already gave my bold prediction earlier, but I do think that Liv and the PGA Tour will come to some sort of agreement before we hit January 1 of 2024. This stuff can't last this long. There has to be a compromise somewhere. We can't have guys like Dustin Johnson or Taylor Gooch or Cam Smith keep dropping an official world golf ranking. I don't know what it looks like as far as the compromise, but... Number one, it has to at least include the official World Golf ranking, and Liv has to get official World Golf ranking points, but I'm going a step farther than that. I think there will be some sort of merger between the two before we hit January 1 of 2024. Even though we have the trial in January, I don't think it even goes that far. I think people and and common sense prevails. Wow. I, I think that that is definitely bold. I mean, I I don't know, Woody. I mean, even if a, if a murder does happen, do you think it could happen by the end of this year? Well, I, I think he's got a good point. I mean, how long do, do we how long do we keep dragging golf through the mud? And whether we like it or not, guys, that's what's happening is the PGA, although the PGA Tour started out there advertising right where they left off in 2022 where those guys were all standing there going where the best golfers play golf and yada, yada, yada. We're having that same snowstorm we had last year. So, um, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm, I want to believe Sam's right, but I don't think that's going to happen. Guys, I think we're in for a fight. And guys, remember, this is our bold prediction. Now, this isn't necessarily what I absolutely think is going to happen. I think that the odds are very slim that this could happen. I just, this is our bold prediction. I hope it happens. Not like that. I love that, but I don't see it. I I don't think of that. Well, for all of our listeners, those are our predictions that mean absolutely nothing. (laughs) We'll have to uh, go back and listen to these at the end of the year. Actually, I I hope we don't. Tita, by the way, thank you for not putting our 2022 predictions in the year-end review. I'm glad that uh, you did not include those. I I don't know what they said. I don't know if they were good or bad, but I'm assuming that they were probably horrible. Uh, Anyways, guys, we do have Kapalua to end the show here the century tournament of champions or as t-dub likes to call it the tournament of qualifiers t-dub why do you call it the tournament of qualifiers again because simply because it used to be you had to win you had to win the damn tournament to get in but now you can just finish in the top 30 of the uh of the uh, fedex cup uh, (laughs) points race and then you you get in so they had to change the criteria woody because uh, they wouldn't they would only have like 10 players that wanted that were able to play this week (laughs) (laughs) well yeah Okay, that's a great point, and 
yeah, whatever. We'll move on. <laughs> we don't want to bash them too bad. <laughs> no, we're, we're like we always say, we cover the best tournament each week, and this week it is the Century Tournament of Champions at Kapalua, guys. I did get to go to Kapalua for my honeymoon in 2021, and I absolutely loved it, guys. If you ever get the chance to go to Maui and and play Kapalua, definitely go do that. It's worth the money. It's expensive, but it's worth the money because there's just no other place like it as far as the views go, guys. It seems like you're playing the Predator or something like that on Tiger Woods. The views are unbelievable. Um, and it's one of those interesting courses, and Woody alluded to it earlier, that it's very easy when there's no wind, and it's very not very hard when the, when it's windy, but it's way harder. I, I I expect us to see a lower winning score than we saw last year with Cam Smith being 34 under and and John Rom being 33 under, setting records out there. It's not that easy, right? Right, T Dub. No, no, and especially it looks like the wind's going to be blowing about 15 each day, so you'll have gusts up to 20. So that'll be on, especially on some holes there by by the uh, by the ocean, it'll come into play. But you look at look at how this course traditionally fares. Driving accuracy is very, very, very not important here because, like you mentioned, the fairways are just so wide out there. So you'll be able to hit some serious bombs. But this has always been a traditional horses for courses type of venue. Who who usually plays here well usually plays good here year in and year out. And one thing that's interesting is that you don't, on this course, there's not as many shots from 100 to 200 yards as there are in other traditional PJ tournaments. There's a lot of shots from inside of 100 yards, and there's a lot of shots from 200 um, to 250 yards. So I'm really looking at guys that, that excel in those areas as well and who don't necessarily need to hit it uh, extremely accurate off of the tee box this week, Sam. Woody, do you have any thoughts on Kapalua? Have you ever played there? I did. I played there when I was on tour. We they used to play a tournament there in November that I got invited to, and uh, it's, you're spot on. If if it's blowing, it it's challenging. If it's not, it's pitch and putt for those guys. So uh, you know, it's it's kind of a hit and giggle a little bit starting the year because these guys are just relaxed and they're watching whales, and it's a pretty neat place to just kind of hang out, as you well said, Sam. So I don't really know what to expect this week. Yeah, and I think a lot of, you know, predicting what's going to happen in this tournament comes down to looking at who has played well recently, even more recent form than we normally even look at. Uh, course form somewhat, but I, I would even favor recent form over course history here at Kapalua just because, you know, they, these guys are technically in their quote-unquote offseason, even though there's no real offseason in professional golf. Um, I, I'm curious uh, to see how some top guys do just as far as, you know, like we talked about with Tony Finau's swing changes and stuff like that, but uh, to kind of piggyback off of what Woody and Tita both said about Kapalua. T-Dub, you brought up the point of driving accuracy not being important. I, I would, yes, based on the analytics, you were correct, but I would push back on that a little bit and say if it gets windy, that's the reason why the scores jump way higher than if it's not windy because there's some tighter tee shots are not necessarily tight tee shots, but they get tight when it gets really windy out there, especially on some par fives where guys can have some short irons into some of these par fives uh, when there's no wind because they can take certain lines that they're not able to take when it's windy coming off, you know, say the wind's coming 30 off your back. 
And, and yes, the fairways are wide, but if you miss the fairway, you're going to be having a tough time for yeah. sure. There's there's no doubt about that. And if the wind does get to blow, it does make it tough. So yeah, it's just it, it definitely sets up better for a long bomber who's not necessarily accurate than like a yeah. Fred Funk no or just a short it. accurate guy off of the tee. Th- those guys very rarely are right, like a Zach Johnson. Those guys traditionally did not do very well at a golf course like this. One more point. And then the other point that I was going to bring up is I've played a lot of the courses that the PGA Tour plays on. Woody, these have to be the most grainy greens that I've ever played as far as PGA Tour courses go. Is there anything you change when you play on really grainy greens like that? I'll tell you, Sam, you're spot on with that, too, because those greens were um, brutally hard for me to putt the one time I got to putt them. I think what you you got to go with a guy that likes Bermuda grass for one thing. The other thing is you just got to know when you're into the grain, when you're down grain. You can figure those two things out, you'll be fine. Yep, a hundred percent. Because those putts are really slow uphill and really, 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 really quick downhill. Uh, T Dub, are you ready to get into the predictions? Absolutely, let's do it. It seems like it's been a while since we uh, we did it. It's kind of we've we've kind of reached the end of the golf offseason, and let's, uh, let's go ahead and get it ready, uh, hot and rolling. You want to start with DraftKings or one and done first? Let's go ahead and start with one and done uh, this year. Let's do our one and dones first. I am going to go, guys, I'll go ahead and start it off. I'm going to go with a guy that T-Dub wouldn't necessarily be considered a bomber at all. However, at the Tournament of Champions, he's finished third solo in 2018 and finished tied for 17th in 2015. But I really love the way he's played recently. In recent form is what I'm looking at. At the RSM, he finished tied for second. At the Worldwide Technology Championship, he finished solo second. And he's striking his irons really well, gaining almost a, one and a half shots on the field strokes gained approach. Give me another guy that likes Bermuda Greens, being from Georgia, Brian Harmon, as one of my one-and-done picks this year or for the Century Tournament of Champions or Tournament of Qualifiers. Rooting for him and Caddy Scott Tway as well. Hopefully they have a a great week this week. I think they will probably do fairly well, even though, like I said, golf's all the same, right? If you you hit it in the fairway and you hit greens and you make putts, you have a chance. And Brian Harmon does that every single time he tees it up. So, yeah, I expect him to have a decent week. We might need to explain to the people that are listening for the first time since we haven't done one and done in a long time. Uh, The one and done is our season-long race, right, T-Dub? Explain the one and done to the people that don't understand understand what we're doing yeah okay so you yes the one and done is you get to pick one golfer for the entire season so for example if you're feeling foggy and you want to run out justin thomas and john ron this week that's fabulous but you cannot use them in any other tournament for the rest of the season so there's a lot of pressure on it and and like you said sam a caveat is that you want to make sure that you save your good players for the for the biggest purse events because the way our point system is tracked is based just off of money so you the the bigger tournaments you want to have uh your best players in there especially the start of the year it makes it hard to to prognosticate who's going to win there when there's all these great players so i mean in all honesty of our two one and done picks we pick i'd be utterly shocked if, if the two guys that i picked one because I think someone out of the likes of the top five, Rom, Scheffler, JT, right. uh, Chef, Shopley, Cantley, will, will probably win, but it's like, do you want to pick one of them and then risk the opportunity uh, of not having them the rest of the year? So there's a lot of uh, pressure on it, and I'm interested to see who Woody's going to end up picking and, since he's going to join in it this year. 
And one more, one more thing here. This year is even harder because we lost a lot of our picks to live that we don't, we, we're not able to pick anymore, right? So we got to even be more conservative on who we pick earlier in the year before the majors. Yes, and what you'll probably see is you'll see a lot of guys use live players in majors because they'll say, well, I don't get a chance to use them anywhere else. I might as well use them here. And that may be good, but that may be not because depending on – we don't necessarily know what the purse sizes of the majors are. Yeah, they usually come out the week or two before the tournament. But will they compete with some of these more um, elevated events on the PGA Tour when it comes purse-wise? That'll be interesting to see. So, you know, you'll want to save your best players for the likes of – the, the players' championship, you want to save them for the end of, of the tour championship and the FedEx Cup playoffs, and that's really hard to do to have discipline to keep the likes of a, a Rory or a, Sche- a Scheffler or a Rom that long into the season. So there's there's a lot of pressure going uh, going into these picks. So I'll go ahead and give out my first one-and-done pick of the year. This is a decent value on DraftKings. I don't put them in there. One thing is I don't put – I usually don't like to do one-and-done and DraftKings picks is the same. But this is a guy who played really well at the end of last year. That's Seamus Power. He won at Bermuda on Halloween weekend, finished third and fifth his last two events before then. And one thing that I'm starting to learn that becomes more and more prevalent on the PGA Tour is what time of the year that that guy started playing well. And Seamus Power last year started 2022 off with four straight top 15s. So I think he'll do something very similar to that, and he finished 15th here in his only appearance. So, uh, Woody, let's go ahead and hear your first pick, but I'm going to start it off with uh, Seamus Power. Well, considering I didn't do this last year with you guys, so this is my first venture into this. I, I, probably a stupid question, but I'm pretty sure he's playing. Is is Cameron Young playing this week? Yes, he is. Uh, I was pretty sure he was, but I just wanted to make sure before I picked the guy, kind of like I told you that I was fired up by the President's Cup <laughs> or the Fighters Cup. <laughs> step on my proverbial self again. Um, I'm going to go with Cameron Young. Uh, I know that's probably wasting a guy early that's pretty good, but he's dude, guys. He is really due, and I think he's going to win this week. Not a terrible pick. I would normally at the Tournament of Champions, since these guys don't play here every year, probably go with a guy that has at least seen the golf course before, but T-Dub, it was hard to hold my tongue while you were making your pick. What are the odds that we both picked Seamus Power? But it is a really solid pick. I'm going with Seamus Power as my second one-and-done pick. Number one, I don't understand why we have to pick two for the Tournament of Champions. That's a raw deal that we have in the one-and-done. But since we do have to do that, give me Seamus Power. Like you said, one in Bermuda, finished tied for third after that at the Worldwide Technology, finished tied for fifth. At the RSM, Seamus Power and recent form flow together right now. So give me Seamus Power as my second one-and-done pick at the Century Tournament of Qualifiers. Oh, the curse has been put on Seamus Power. I'm so sorry, buddy. Yeah, we're we're (laughs) stuck about a 25th place finish probably coming from our man, Mr. Power. Let's go ahead and move on to my last one-and-done pick. And you're absolutely right, Sam. I really have no idea why we have to pick two this week, but we have to do it, so we'll do it. I'll go with the guy who play, who's played this course really well, finished fifth and eighth, his two appearances here. He's always uh, hit the ball extremely well at this course, so definitely suits his eye. Ended ended 2022 playing pretty well as well. Give me Sung J.M., Woody. I expect him to have a very good week this week. Well, now that's, um, that's who I was going to pick. <laughs> oh, no. I like your, I My picks are going to be horrible powers. this week. You, I, I like this guy. That you, uh, Sung Jm. What I was trying to do is be impressive right off the bat and win with uh, him. But uh, I'm going to go with Sung Jm too. I'm sorry. I'm going to go with that one. 
All right, guys. Uh, let's get into our DraftKings lineups, T-Dub. And we haven't done this in a while either. By the way, if anyone has been a longtime listener of the 73rd hole, I am still banned from DraftKings because of going to Hawaii, playing at Kapalua. While I was doing that on my honeymoon, I told T-Dub to go ahead and log into my account and uh, send in my DraftKings lineup for that week after it wouldn't let me do it in Hawaii because I guess it's illegal to do DraftKings in Hawaii. And so now I am banned officially from DraftKings, but I can still at least put together a lineup and see who I would have thrown my $3 on, uh, T-Dub. But I'll go ahead and start us off here with my lowest uh, valued pick, and that is Seamus Power. Uh, just laid out the reasons why I like him here. Give me Seamus Power at 7200 That's a value pick this week at the Tournament of Champions. It really is. There is good value, and I would have picked him if I didn't uh, use him in the running one and done. So I'll go ahead and give out my two cheapest options. My first one, 6800 Give me JT Poston. This is a guy who who uh, he's played here once. He finished 11th in that appearance, uh, going all the way back to last year, end of the year, on some fairly decent form. Uh, at the end of 2022, not, not the fall season, but before that, he had made five straight cuts before going into the fall, and he made three out of five cuts in the fall. And out of everyone who's played this course um, that's in this tournament, I believe he's like eighth or seventh when it comes to uh, to uh, the strokes gained on the people that have played here. So uh, JT Poston is got a pretty cheap guy when it comes to that value. So I'm going to go up to my next pick, 7,400. This is a guy who you've been on, who was on a lot last year, Sam. That's Aaron Wise. I, I expect him to have a pretty good season going forward. And a stat that I, I tweeted out this week, uh, there, the amount of shots from over 200 yards that you have at this course is, is about 10% more than you'll have at a PJ Tour course and at an average PJ Tour course. And out of everyone in the field uh, that's in that's in this field, Aaron Wise was third out of every, out of all of those guys from over 200 yards. So I expect Aaron Wise to be able to hit some good shots and get tenure. Even though the only time he did play here, Sam, he was T27, which isn't very good. But hopefully, he can improve on that. Aaron Wise is one of those great value picks on DraftKings. I think he'll kind of be what Taylor Gooch was a little bit at the start of 2022. Uh, T-Dub, I'll go 8,000 with my next pick. Give me Brian Harmon. So I'm going with Seamus Power and Brian Harmon in both my one-and-done and my DraftKings this week. Brian Harmon, recent form you know, played on Bermuda Greens. It just seems like everything is adding up and finished tied for second last or last time he was here in 2018. And then for my pick after that, I'm going the best value pick of this tournament on DraftKings. That's Jordan Speed, the 8,200. Now, I just laid out the reasons why I don't think Jordan Speed will have a good year, but that's comparing him to elite players. 8,200 on DraftKings, Jordan Speed, that doesn't add up. So give me Jordan Speed at 8,200, T-Dub. I had Jordan Spieth in my lineup as well. I had to tinker around because there is news that, that Xander Shoffley had to withdraw from the Pro-Am uh, this morning, so uh, over this afternoon, I guess, what it would be over there. So there may be some speculation he may withdraw, so I had to tinker my lineup a little bit going that way. I'm going to go up to 7,600. Another guy who's who's played this course well and is uh, good from over 200 yards like Aaron Wise is, that's Adam Scott. He's played this played this tournament seven times. He has uh, four finishes inside the top seven there. And out of the last seven tournaments he played 
in his last 25 starts, or I'm sorry, his, out of his last seven starts, he's finished top six in four of those. So I expect Adam Scott to keep it rolling and have some pretty solid form. Then I'm going to go ahead and steal one of Woody's picks going up to 8,800. But give me Cam Young. I, I expect Cam Young, even though he hasn't played this course, and I don't expect him to end up winning the tournament. I expect him to, to play well at this course just because it really is tailor-made for him and the style of uh, game that he has been. That's a great pick. I mean, Cam Young, anytime the golf course favors a great driver of the golf ball, you got to at least look at Cam Young for your picks. Uh, so that means I will go up from, uh, let's see here. So I went up from Jordan Speed to 8,200 to Sam Burns at 8,400. Another guy, like I said, I'm going middle loaded this week. So I'm looking for value in the middle of the field. I think that Sam Burns is one of those guys that has potential to compete and, and contend on Sunday afternoon. And 8,400 is too low and, and fit in perfect uh, with my lineup. He was actually the last guy I put in this six-man DraftKings lineup. And then my next pick is only $100 on DraftKings higher than Sam Burns. That's Victor Hovland. And Victor Hovland, like I laid out earlier, around the greens has looked so solid recently. And Javi just seems to have things clicking on all cylinders. And I... I continue to say this I might have him in every single DraftKings lineup we do all year give me Victor Hovland to not only be in my DraftKings lineup but win the golf tournament here at the Century Tournament of Champions I like that pick and I hope you're right there man but one thing too is that this course isn't in it's in the United States but it's not in the continental United States so he may have a chance to break there he may, he may have that's right would Hawaii count I guess it, it would count as being in the United States but he he can't play in the continental United States we already know that I, he's got to slowly work his way up to that so hopefully he is well on his way I'm going to go with my my last two picks some two of the best players in the world, 9,400. Let me call him more cow. Played here three times, finished seventh, seventh, and fifth. All those times. I, one thing I'm worried about, but there is some optimism. He's putted absolutely horrible last year. I mean, one of the worst putting years, especially in his last probably 10, 12 events. His putting was horrible. But every time he's played this course, he has gained strokes gained putting. So maybe there's something about the graininess of these greens that he likes, and maybe he can get it figured out. But if his putting's not there, I do worry, but I am going to pick Colin Morikawa. 9,400, and then the guy that I think will more than likely win this tournament at 10,000, give me John Rahm. Y'all's guys player of the year, and I think he's going to have a tremendous season. One thing that, that's interesting to note is that in his last seven strokes game tournaments, he gained not only just gained strokes in putting, but he gained upwards of 1.5 to sometimes two strokes game putting on the field. And that, that's someone who last year, John Rahm, that was like what his main kryptonite was, was his putting and, and his chipping. And his chipping's gotten better, too. So I do think John Rahm will win this tournament, Sam, and at, at a 10000 price tag. Seems like a pretty good deal to me. Teed up for my last pick, I have Xander Shoffley at 9,500. But like you said, we do, do we know the reason why he withdrew from the Pro-Am yesterday? Uh, the little article I read said there was speculation it could be illness or injury, but it didn't disclose what it was. Gotcha. Okay. Well, if Xander is not able to play at 9,500 on DraftKings, give me 
toss a coin up, flip a coin between Colin Morikawa and Tony Finau. And like you said, the the previous course history here at Kapalua would definitely favor Colin Morikawa, but the recent form would definitely favor Tony Finau. So if Xander is not able to play and you're following my DraftKings lineup, you would just flip a coin between Morikawa and Finau. No, not too too bad players to to look there. And we'll try to monitor the the withdrawal situation on Xander. But yeah, it doesn't seem like there's really much coming out right now, and, and it, it would be interesting because he, he was one of the favorites at this tournament. I had him in there out of out of everyone that's played this course. John Rom's first in, in strokes gained, Jordan Spieth's second, and Xander Schauffele's third and one back here in 2019, and, and since then finished second, fifth, and, and twelfth last year. So he was definitely going to be a favorite going this tournament. But if he's not able to play or even just a little bit injured, uh, definitely probably would even steer away from him on DraftKings, but definitely steer away from him on the one-and-done. You don't want to risk a, a withdrawal on a top-class player like that. No doubt about it. Woody, do you have a pick to win the golf tournament this week at the Century Tournament of Champions? I, You know what? I, 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 of course, I did my one and done would be Cam Young. But I, I think if he doesn't win, I'm going to go so I can hedge my bet. I'll say Tony now. Tony Finau is who Woody is going with. Guys, we had a longer show to start off 2023. We had a lot to get into after taking a couple of weeks off, but we will get into our regular schedule of two shows per week here in 2023, starting from now on um, until the end of the year. And also our radio show on 98.1, the sports animal in Oklahoma City will begin on Super Bowl Sunday, which is also way management Sunday on February 12th at 10 a.m. on the Sports Animal here in Oklahoma City. So definitely be looking for that. You can also hear our podcast on the Sports Animal app and website as well. Uh, So definitely go look at that. Guys, thank you for today. We are back in 2023. T-Dub and Woody, thank you so much. You've been listening to the 73rd Hole, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. <laughs>